Hey folks, welcome to Brown Girl Bail. Uh, my name is Serena, I'm your host, and today we're going to be talking about all things bail. Um, wait, we do that every week. So, <laughs> can you tell I'm new to this? We're going to be talking about one of my least favorite experiences in bail. Um, so basically, I started working as a bail supervisor in January of 2022, um, and man, oh man, it was it a hoot. Um, I was kind of thrown into it. Like I had an awesome mentor who would answer all of my questions, but there was never enough time to ask all of my questions. Like there was just too many clients and we were overrun and underpaid. I wasn't paid at all, um, in the beginning, but yeah, one of my least favorite experiences would have to be when I got my 40-hour job, and um, I had a client kind of threaten to murder me, um, which was super fun. So basically, let's get into the story. This client, I'm not going to say their name or like their gender or anything, but they were... Um, a member of the BIPOC community and they were originally really nice to me. Um, a little sexist, but you know, like I was kind of expecting that. Um, you know, some of my clients, they, they just don't, they're not up with the times. They don't know that sexism isn't cool. Um, and that gender inequality is a thing and like the actual impacts that it has on people. But basically, um, this client, my first week at bail, I'm brand new to it. They call me, they check in, and they were, I noticed that they were supposed to come in. So I tell them on my first day, so nervous as a bail supervisor, why have you not come in? Um, you were supposed to come in today for your report. And they're like, oh, I just didn't have the mental capacity to do it today. And I was like, okay, I understand, you know, your girl's got mental health issues too. It makes sense. You know, sometimes we're just having a day. So I said, okay, come in next week and I'll take your report. Like there's no issue. Okay. They were fine with that. So next week comes, I don't get a call. I don't get an in-person report nothing. Another week goes by and another week and another week. And at this point, I am ready to write a warrant for their arrest. And for those of you who don't know, with the Toronto Bail Program at least, um, with the Toronto Bail Program, basically if they, if clients stop reporting for like one to two weeks, you're supposed to write a warrant. Now, because this client was a member of the BIPOC community. They told me that they were struggling with their mental health. I used my discretion and gave them four weeks, which could have gotten me in a lot of trouble. Um, probably should have gotten in way more trouble. But basically, they call me four weeks later and they were just like, I didn't feel like calling. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Because they have a duty to report and I know that bail is flawed and all of that stuff. And we, I've, there are definitely going to be episodes where I talk about how it's flawed, but, um, it is. And 
but the client still has a duty to report otherwise they can face a charge um, that they might not even have earned if they were not on bail so they the client tells me that they haven't felt like calling I said how's your mental health and they're like it's thriving but it's also none of your business and I said okay um at this point I'm just noticing that they're getting a little like agitated they're not willing to talk to me um so then I tell them you have to come in next week otherwise I won't take your report by a call and of course I'm like talking out of my ass because I have to take the report if they call um but yeah they were like okay I'll come next week Serena don't be such a hard ass uh stuff like that so I was like okay a little rude but yeah that's fine um they don't show up the next week they don't call for weeks they don't call for two weeks and then at that point I'm like I can't do anything about the fact that this person has mental health issues and they're a member of the BIPOC community and you know there's nothing that I can do about that I have to write a warrant because I've tried to reach out I've made referrals that they've refused to go to um and so I write a warrant for their arrest and I go to the judge I get it signed by the judge and two minutes I kid you not literally two minutes after I filed my warrant with the police I get a call from my client who is so angry and pissed off at me because I've left voicemails for them for the last two weeks almost every day saying I need you to call me I need you to come in um, otherwise I'm gonna have to file a warrant so they call me and they say you stupid you stupid woman and obviously I'm like censoring a lot but <laughs> they say you stupid woman why are you bothering me so much? You even called my emergency contact. And I was like, yeah, I called your emergency contact because it was an emergency. Otherwise I would have had to file a warrant for your arrest. And so they say, well, now you stupid woman, I'm file, I'm here. So take my report. And I say, oh, I've already filed a warrant for your arrest. I can't take your report now. That What you need to do is surrender yourself to the police station and they go on a cuss off they oh my gosh it was a lot um they go on a cuss off having the time of their life because now they have another charge that's going to be laid against them on top of the original charges that they were in bail for um and you know i I always feel awful when I have to lay a charge against somebody else. It makes me feel like I'm a bad bail supervisor or that I didn't do enough. And I always second guess myself if there's something else that I could have done. You know, I call all the jails and I call every for this person um, because they were a member of the BIPOC community. I called healing lodges. I called rehab centers. I called detox. I called... Um, I called uh, 
every hospital within a like 10 kilometer radius or 15 kilometer radius um, that's a lot of hospitals I also called the Toronto South Detention Center the Toronto East Detention Center just to make sure that they weren't in jail so that I wouldn't be unnecessarily laying another charge against them and uh, the client wasn't happy that I had gone through so much effort and they didn't understand why I had to file the warrant so I explained it to them which made it worse <laughs> which made it way way worse and so I ended up uh, getting threatened to be killed by this client and so at this point I'm like I cannot not take this seriously you know you just threatened my life so I hang up on them and I call the police the police come <laughs> I have to file a report with the police and so they gave me an occurrence number which means that they they're definitely gonna lay another charge against this guy which, or against this person which means that on top of the original charges that my client was in bail for and the warrant charge of failing to report they now have another charge of either threat and death um, utter threats something like that and yeah that's just horrible so um, but it's something that I had to do and it's one of the things that I always second-guess about myself and my experience working in bail I always ask myself if there's something that I could have done that could have prevented that and it took me a really long time to realize that there was nothing that I could have done to prevent that I did everything that I could and that was that um, so that's the story of how I almost got threatened to be killed in bail program um, it was a hoot it was a blast I still worked I did consider quitting but <laughs> uh, it didn't help it wouldn't have helped so I worked the entire summer and that was that I just want to say not all of my clients were like this most of them were the kindest souls I've ever met the most gentle humans I've ever seen who were struggling with issues that are just symptoms of greater societal issues you know things like addiction things like mental health issues um, things that the institutions our society is not designed to support because and I don't want to sound like a radical up in here but maybe I am the criminal justice system the health care system everything that exists right now is set up for economic prosperity their economic systems and so when somebody doesn't bring in revenue things like public health and the criminal justice system kind of penalize them for that because we all know where money gets you 
it gets you the good lawyer, it gets you to a psychiatrist faster, it means that you can afford mental health medication or um, drug rehab stuff, private rehab, and you don't have to wait in line, it means that you don't have to be homeless, and that's basically it. So even though this client threatened me, he's a victim, where they're a victim. I don't know their pronouns. I'm just going to go with they, them. Um, this client was a victim. And yeah, it's something that I'll never forget. It's something that I'll always take with me. And I hope that in learning or listening to this, you learn to take it with you too, because it's something that we cannot forget ever. But in brighter news, my job is over. So <laughs> I'm still working as a bail supervisor, but that, that portion of my life is done. Um, I work at another courthouse now with clients who suffer from major mental health issues or major mental illnesses. And uh, that's that. I just want to thank you for listening to this. I really appreciate it. Um, I've gotten a lot of comments and private like DMs on Instagram from people who like look at the site and they think that it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, Brown Girl Bail was just designed to be my little venting space and I really appreciate you guys giving me the space to do that. So have a great rest of your week. I will see you next week with another story, another fun time. And until then, toodaloo! Yeah. <laughs>